0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ruth chapter 2. We're starting chapter 2 uh, for this morning. It's good to see all of you, and especially if you're here for the very first time. Uh, we pray that the Lord will bless you. So also, once again, we have our notes available on our church app. So if you want to follow along there and just kind of fill in the blanks, you can do that as well. So Ruth chapter 2, and we'll be reading from verses 1 through 13. So hopefully you could turn to it and have it open there. But I wanted to start off and just kind of have us think a little bit. I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering how many of us, uh, we so desire for God to reveal His will to us. Uh, you know, sometimes you think through this and you're like, if God, if you just tell me what it is that you want me to do. If you would just kind of reveal to me your heart And what it is that I'm, where I'm supposed to live, who I'm supposed to marry, and where we're supposed, what job to take, it will be so much easier for many of us, and this is how we think. Or if you want to think about it a different way, it's like, God, can you give me clear reasons why some of the things are happening in my life? As many of you might be going through different things, different struggles, Uh, We always want answers. We're wondering why are these things happening uh, to us. And the more I was thinking about some of these questions, the more I began to realize, and I think many of you will realize, that there's a reason for why that many of these things that we want to know are not revealed. And why some of the answers that we want to have, uh, really we can't seem to fully grasp in our minds. And I, I just jotted down some, some possible reasons as I was just thinking about in my own personal life and why all these answers that I wanted to know about God, what he's doing in my life, why th- those things weren't answered, why certain things that I wanted clear uh, clarity in, why couldn't those things be revealed to me at that moment? And so as I was thinking about this, I realized, number one, our brains are not capable of understanding everything. Can we get a good amen to that? Like we're saying amen now, but truthfully, our brains do not have the capacity to understand all the intricate things that go on in trying to understand God's heart and God's will in that moment. That's why a lot of things make sense in reverse. Like at that moment, we don't understand it, but it's only years later, months later when we look back to that situation when we realize, oh, now it makes sense. This is the reason why I had to go through what I went through because our brain in that moment, we don't have the capacity to fully understand from this infinite God who's doing infinite things within our lives so that he could accomplish his purpose in us. Another reason I was thinking about is our selfishness, that if God revealed to us what he was doing and he revealed his will to us, I really don't think many of us in this room will submit our wills to God. You might say, yes, you will. But in reality, how many of us, when you think about some of the things that you were praying for, some of the things that you were wanting clarity in, and now looking back, you realize, man, if I found out what I'm going through now a year ago, I would have not obeyed because of my selfishness, because of what I want, what we think is best. But we realize later, it wasn't the best. Another reason is that our stubbornness, in our stubbornness, we'll ask God why we can't experience something else. Let me explain a little bit. As I was thinking about this, uh, you know, life is full of choices, options. And oftentimes when certain things are given to us or purposed in us, many of us will, couldn't you give me something else, Lord? Why was I born into this family? Why do, our, why do we have to struggle in this particular area? Why did I go through that particular thing? Couldn't someone else gone through that? Couldn't I have maybe gone in a different path? And so for many of us, I think in our stubbornness, we're going to constantly wonder and ask God, why not this? Why not that? And lastly, I think there are many times when we want to know God's will but those things are not revealed at that moment or there's no clear reasons for what we're going through. It's because I believe that God wants to give us a bigger vision of who He is so that we can worship Him. What I mean by that is that many of us love control. And you cannot love control And worship God. Because God is uncontrollable. Can I get a good amen to that? You cannot have both. You will either submit to God's control and lordship. And worship him for who he is. Because he's so much greater and bigger than you. Or you will want control. Which many of you are doing right now in your life calculating, and trying to figure out what you can do. Self-sufficiency. And that's why your heart is not full of worship to this God. You can give Him lip service. You can do all your soap and all your prayers and everything else that you do. Meet for your life change groups. But when you love control that much, it is very hard to worship God who is beyond our understanding. That's why Evelyn Underwood once wrote this. She said, if God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshipped. Isn't that true? We will never fully understand all the ways in which God is working in our lives and what he's doing around the world. Just think about all the stuff that's going around in the world, not only in Hong Kong, but in the United States recently with everything that's going on with the protests there All over the world, there's always a war. In any given moment, there's wars going on right now. Change of uh, regime and change of just transitions into different things. And you wonder, God, are you still in control? We will never fully understand. And the sooner we can submit to that, and the sooner we could not just acknowledge, but have faith and trust in that, the sooner we can worship and live in humility to realize how much more we need God every single day of our lives. I want to show you this quick video. It's a story about a family who went through a tragedy in their lives. And one of their friends, who saw them suffering through this whole thing, was sharing the story. But then later on, as the story goes on, it's a very short story, but as the story goes on, he shares about how God's power was displayed in the midst of all the hurt and pain and suffering that this one family went through. So let's watch this together, and then we'll come back. To see God's fingerprint uh, on their lives. You you cannot come up with stuff like that. And what I want to say to you is that just because you are a Christ follower, it does not exempt you from pain. There are so many people who like to quote that Jeremiah chapter 29 passage that talks about how he's going to bless us and he's going to prosper us. It's one of the most misquoted verse in the Bible. That's why I'm not a big fan of it. If you understand the context, God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah that the Israelite people are going to be exiled. Something that's very bad. They're going to go through suffering, hardships. But the Lord knows the plans that he has for you. Plans to prosper you. That means that there are times when God will allow us to go through suffering and difficulties because he is doing something. So it's not always pleasant. And the sooner you realize this, and the sooner you can surrender yourself to this and worship God because you're not even close to being like God. I'm not even close to being like God. In His infinite wisdom, in His perfection, in all that He does. Until our hearts, our minds, our lives are brought into the conformity to the will of God. We have to keep on surrendering, keep on trusting. When you see God work in mysterious ways it leaves us humble awestruck and I think it's so hard for us to imagine something of what we just saw happening but as we've shared many times even throughout this book so far in the first chapter of the book of Ruth as well as in 1 Peter as we talked about even persecution and suffering and hardships and trials in our lives, we see that God is constantly working. He he neither sleeps nor slumbers. He is constantly working. And regardless of the situation or circumstance that we're facing right now, He's working. William Copper, in his hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way, uh, writes this, and this is the hymn. And he says this, he, he penned this, these words. He says, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep and unfathomable minds of never failing skill, his treasures up his bright design and works his sovereign will. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God in his own interpreter, his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. It's God who will reveal to us his plans and purposes. And he does it in his time and in his ways because the end goal is so that we can glorify him and worship him for who he is. So as we continue in our steadfast sermon series in the book of Ruth, we're going to start chapter two and we're going to see how the story now begins to unfold a little bit more and we'll see how some of the dots are beginning to connect as we understand the purposes, and the sovereignty of God. So the one thing that I want to share this morning is simply this, that when you believe in God's providence, you don't see things as a coincidence. So when you believe in God's providence, that God in control provides for all things in our lives, then you realize there is no such thing as a coincidence. There are two things that we have to remember about how God works in our lives in order to not see things as a coincidence Because we believe in His providence. The first thing is that God works mysteriously. Come on, let's all say it together. God works mysteriously. As we move into chapter 2, we notice several things that reveal about how God works in mysterious ways. And that we might never fully understand nor comprehend. There are several things that happens in this story that I think will reveal some of His mysterious ways. That we will never fully understand. The first thing is this. There, there was a connection. Let's go ahead and read verse 1. I'm going to just take it verse by verse and let's see what the Word of God is trying to speak to us about as we look into this idea of God working in mysterious ways. Listen to what it says. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Just this first verse, right away, she conjure up, a lot of thoughts about the sovereignty of God and God in his mysterious ways. We quickly learned that Naomi had a family connection through her deceased husband. And it was a relative of Naomi's uh, husband. And so we notice here that his name was Boaz and he's described as a person of, he's a worthy man. Now that phrase, a worthy man, is literally translated a mighty man of valor. Now, this is something that's helpful to know. That here is this person that she probably didn't really know about. But God, in His mysterious ways, brings forth this person. And you'll see it play out a little bit more in the chapters to come. But you notice here that He was a mighty man of valor. In fact, if you think about a person of valor, it's a person who is courageous. A person who's willing to stick up for those who cannot stick up for themselves. Those people who are willing to advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves. These are people who are willing to stand up for what is right, even though they'll get criticized. It's hard to find these types of people who will stand on convictions and the things that they believe in regardless of what's happening. I'm so thankful that there are pastors that I know and there are a lot of people in, in the states in the midst of all the situation that has recently happened, especially the death of George Floyd, who was put under this officer's knees for almost nine minutes, like eight minutes and 40 some seconds. It was now almost nine minutes and ended up dying from suffocation. Now, there's a lot of things that you can say about that, but there are pastors who are now publicly speaking out. And it's amazing because now as some of them are texting with me who are Caucasian pastors who are telling me, I have lost a lot of followers. People have emailed me with really harsh and comments. And now there are some Asian pastors who are now speaking up. And the problem with Asians is that we're like the model minority. We fit in well with the white narrative. Why? Because look at us. We come from a foreign land. We have to learn the language we're smart, well some of us, we're, we're, we study, we're successful, we get jobs, we get degrees after degrees, so the white people look at us and say, look at these guys, they can do it, why can't you guys do it? Why can't you Latinos or why can't you black people do what these Asians do? And they don't even know the language when they first came. And so a lot of times over the years, even in the midst of all the prejudice that has been going on, Asians didn't really speak up. Even though we were minorities, even though we have faced prejudice or racism, we haven't said much. But I'm thankful now that there are many who are Asian American or from the Asian descent who are speaking up. There are many Caucasian pastors who would be afraid. Maybe they'll say it privately to that black pastor, but now they're publicly declaring it so that everyone knows. And they're losing members. They're losing people, and they're getting these hate mails. But that's valor. That's courage. And it's good to know when you have those people, not only in your church, but they are your allies. Other Bible translations use different phrases to kind of give a fuller understanding of Boaz's character. And you need to know this because later on it's going to play a big part in what he's going to do to bring the redemption of God to the people of Israel and the nations. The, the New Living Translation translates it this way. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem. So that idea of a person of valor it's also in the context of someone who is influential. And a lot of times back then, and even now, they have some wealth. The NIV translates it, a man of standing, that they were upright. They had a good reputation. The message translation says, a man prominent and rich. The voice translation says, an honorable, wealthy man. So I want to just start off and say this. Out of all the people in this world, That God could have brought forth into this story, into this situation, it was someone like this. And I know what some of you might be thinking. Lord, where is that man in my life? I can't answer it. Only God knows. I don't know. Some of us are trying to raise these type of men. But all we know is that he was someone with influence and courage and someone who's prominent because of his character. And so what we see is God mysteriously behind the scenes through a family connection that we didn't know about before, but just now in chapter two, we're introduced to this guy named Boaz. God is working mysteriously. What would have happened if he was introduced before and earlier. Or what if he was introduced later? But right here in chapter 2, when you think about everything that Naomi went through and what Ruth decided to do as she committed herself and be resolved to go wherever she goes and to die where she dies. Came back and she goes, don't call me Naomi. Call, call me Mara, Bitter. Because God has afflicted me. And it is in this moment that we see Boaz is introduced. God's timing is impeccable. As soon as you think that God is not going to answer or God is not working, we see God doing his thing, but in his timing. Not in yours. Not in my timetable, but in God's timetable. So we see this connection, the family connection. God is working mysteriously. The second thing that I want you to notice is the contact. There's a contact now. This is important because you'll see this in verse 2 and 3. Listen to what it says. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whom, whose sight I f- shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz who was of the clan of Elimelech now the interesting part as the story progresses in these next couple verses is that Ruth took initiative and asked Naomi if she can go to the fields and start gleaning because they needed to get food they just happened to come back to Bethlehem and if you remember from last week it was barley season just God's timing the interesting part of all this is that Ruth understood what was stated in God's commandments and in the law. Now, I need to explain this so you understand what's happening. If you remember, Ruth was a Moabite. She didn't grow up in the Jewish faith. But because of her husband, who now is deceased, and her relationship with Naomi, she says, your God will be my God. She is now adopted the God of Israel. And one of the things that we have to believe that she understood is that the Jewish people had a law that simply said that when you are harvesting the food or harvesting the fruit or whatever it is, to leave some on the ground so those who are poor or foreigners can come and take of the food. This was literally a biblical welfare, welfare system to look out after the orphans, to look out after the widows, those who are marginalized in society. And it comes directly from Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this. This is God speaking, and he says, When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what you har- the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you, I am the Lord your God. So obviously Ruth understood that this God of Israel is a God who provides for even those who are foreigners and those who are poor. And in other parts of scripture it talks about those who are widowed and orphaned. This is God's way of helping those who are marginalized in society. It is God's way of using people to provide and become the answer to prayers, as well as to teach us about generosity. I'm just like God. You, you you know how things work in this world. That our hearts are so selfish and we only think about ourselves. We're greedy people. We like to hoard. Everything's about ourselves. But He gives this command: to don't go back and pick it up. Just leave it there. Be generous and also those people who might not be able to get things or those are in certain kind of situations god is saying i remember you i think this is one of the most powerful things and i've experienced this many many times on both ends but there are times when i'm praying for something and i'm in a situation where i know that god has to come through it cannot be done through any other means. or My own wisdom, my own talents, it has to be God. So I'm praying. I'm praying and believing for supernatural things. And the amazing part is that when God starts hearing my prayers and in his infinite wisdom decides to lay a burden on someone's heart, and as that person obeys God, and they respond in generosity, then that person becomes an answer to the very prayer that I lifted up to God. Are you with me? Does that make sense? That is God working in mysterious ways. Here I am praying, and I don't know how it's going to be provided for. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how our church is going to go through this, but as I'm praying then God is speaking to, in his mysterious ways, to people, and some of them are not not even in our context. They're people from outside who feel this prompting from God. In obedience to him, they follow through, and then I realize this is the answer to prayer, and I give glory and praise to God. There have been other times when I'm praying and I feel like God wants me to do something, to be generous in a certain way, to specifically help this person or do something. And as I do that, I realize later as they share their testimony that they were praying and believing in God. They were struggling to really know if God really loved them, if God really cared for them. And then God prompted me, God prompted other people to obey and then we see that that person had greater faith now because God is real. What a great privilege. That you and I can actually be an answer to someone's prayer. That's a powerful thing if you have ever seen the response of a person. Sometimes do it anonymously without that person knowing. That, that's even more fun. Somebody like, yeah, it was me. They might be like, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. But it only lasts that long. But the best part is when they don't know who it is and they're scratching, the, they're reading the letter, who wrote this, they don't know where it came from or someone, they get someone else, another friend to say, hey, to tell them to, you know, this is from God and all that stuff. And they're trying to figure everything out and drive them crazy. You could tell they're pacing, who is this? What, what is going on? And then they kind of come to exhaustion and go, okay, God, it's you. So praise God, it's the best feeling. Some of you have never experienced that because you've never listened and stepped out in faith and obeyed God. So here is Ruth adopting Israel's God and realizing from the Torah, the book of the, the laws, that one of it is specifically for the Israelite people to be generous and to provide for those people who are foreigners and those who are poor. Ruth, knowing all these things now, goes to this field. I want you to look at verse 3, and there's a phrase that I think is very important. It says, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. The NIV takes that phrase, it happens, or she happened to come to this part of the field. It says, as it turned out. See, what we notice here is God's sovereign hand in leading Ruth to Boaz's field. That's mysterious, man. Or a little bit, whoa. Everyone say, whoa. Some of you like, whoa, whoa, whatever. No. You, out of all the fields, she didn't even know who Boaz was. Out of all the fields, she just ha- happened. As it turned out, she walks upon right on the edges of Boaz's field who happens to be a relative of Naomi. Or the better way to look at it is that Boaz was a relative of Naomi's husband's family. And so it's kind of like distant cousins, if you will. I don't know how you want to look at a distant aunt. Out of all the fields that Ruth could have gone to, she ended up in Boaz's. That's what I'm telling you right now. If you really understand the providence of God, you will never look at anything as a coincidence. Never. Why did you get that job and not the other job? Maybe there's somebody at that job who needs to hear the gospel message. Maybe there's somebody there who is lonely and they need community. Why did you not get into Harvard? Besides your grades were not good enough. Why did you not get into Harvard? Or Cambridge? Or Oxford? And you came to one of the schools here in Hong Kong? Not that it's bad. Why? Why are you in that life group? Some of you are still wondering, Lord, why? See, Unless you have a worldview that's completely different from what the world says, you're not going to be able to look at your life and everything that happens with a sense of purpose. Why did you break up with that person? Why did you get hurt or betrayed? Why were you with that roommate? Maybe just to show how selfish you are and you don't like to do dishes. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. God works in mysterious ways. That's why we have to believe Ruth did not accidentally or coincidentally happen to end up in Boaz's field, but rather it was the sovereign hand of God that led her there. Can I just make a comment here? I think this is important. This is why I keep on saying, watch your language. Some of you are like, I don't say the F word. I don't say the, no, I'm not talking about that. Well, you shouldn't do that either. But l- listen, watch your language. Because sometimes I watch pe- I listen to people's language, what they share, how they share it, because that reveals deeply of what they believe. I think for many of us, like some of you are like, oh man, I have an exam. And what do we say? Come on. Good luck. Now, When I'm getting a little bit sassy or like snarky, I'm like, look, you know, I, I, but you know, I have to calm down because I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say do well. But look, watch your language. Good luck. We don't believe in luck. Amen. If you are a Christ follower, you should not believe in luck. Come on, pastor. You're so legalistic. No, your language Oftentimes, determine the outcome in terms of how you view things. We, we say things like, oh my God, man, that was such a coincidence. Or, oh my God, just by chance, I happened to get that job. Just by chance, I met that person who introduced me to this person. And now I have this job. By chance as if some kind of probability. That's why when someone says, I have an exam, don't say good luck, but we say, do well to the amount that you studied. (laughs) And then you can pray for God's undeserved grace. You don't deserve it, but if he gives you his favor, then you will do much better than what you studied. (laughs) Pastor, good luck is just two syllables (laughs) so much easier yeah but watch your language because it shows you what you really believe if someone gets a job someone makes some connections for you then god opened that door god made a way it shows what you believe so we see this connection this family a relative of Naomi's husband that she didn't really know about and Ruth didn't know about. That's God's mysterious ways. We see now this contact where God is bringing two people together, bringing Ruth to Boaz's field right at the edge. And that's the initial contact that's being made. And then the third thing you'll see when we talk about God's mysterious ways is the conversation. Look at verse four through seven. And here is... Boaz and Ruth or Boaz talking to one of his servants so we're going to go ahead and read from verse uh, 4 listen to what it says all the way to verse 7 and behold Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers the Lord be with you and they answered the Lord bless you then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers whose young woman is this And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Here is another thing that shows us That God works in mysterious ways. Out of, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) I'm like partly laughing because I'm like, God, there's no one human can actually come up with something like this. That's why sometimes I'm just like dumbfounded. Like, you could be the most control freak in this whole wide world, you could be like beyond genius level, you have like 130 plus some IQ. You might be the most talented person. You could play violin like crazy. And everyone just like, wow, incredible. You're so smart that at work, everyone just applauds you. You win all these awards because you're so awesome. But I'm telling you right now, you're not even close. I'm not even close to coming up with something like this. Sorry, I'm just, I, 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 I was laughing when I was preparing the sermon, and I'm, I'm laughing at it now. It's like, never gets old. You know when you see a movie, over you know what's coming up? But I'm still laughing. Sorry. Out of all the time, out of all the times that Boaz could have come, the Lord bless you. The, bless, the Lord bless you. Out of all the times, it's right now, right here, when Ruth came and she's about to finish the work for that day. Everyone say amazing. amazing. Don't say it with the A M A Z I N G. Say it with the U H. Amazing. All right? Are you with me? One, two, three. Amazing. Okay. Out of all the times that Boaz could have come, he decided to stop by his field on this day, at this time, and greet his workers. And this is the exact moment Ruth was there as she was finishing up her work. We see this amazing timing of everything. Once again, it is pretty incredible. Then out of curiosity, Boaz inquires of Ruth. Now the question might be, why did Boaz ask about Ruth? Because if you're working the field, there's something called sweating. Okay, women don't like that. You're perspiring. You are releasing some salt water out of your bodies and your pores. You're not sweating. Your hair was probably disheveled or just, it was a mess. Your skin darkened by the sun as you're trying to pick up all the The sheaves and all the different things that fell to the ground. Who knows? Maybe she's one of those goddesses where she could be doing all the stuff and her hair is still flowing. And she's just not even breaking a sweat. And then Boaz just happened to turn. And he sees her and he goes, wow. Amazing. Amazing. Can I just make a little side comment? Uh, This is not a relationship seminar, but I will say this. And I'll say this carefully. I know we're in the 21st century. I know we're 2020, we're, we're woke people. But in many ways, I'm still old school. Where if I was a girl, I would want the man to take the lead. And something like, what if they don't take the lead? And they're they're like slower than a snail. There are ways, without trying to manipulate the situation, but I know that there are some of you sisters who are impatient and so you do everything possible to manipulate and to control and do a certain situation. I'm telling you right now that you are setting up, when you start off the relationship, you're starting off with you being the one who's fully in control. Now, it doesn't mean that the guy controls you. No. I believe that the way God designed things is that guys are supposed to lead. And it doesn't mean women cannot help lead. Please, don't misunderstand me. I know some people might disagree with me. Like I said, I'm OG. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, like, I'm like original games. I'm like old school. And on the flip side, men... There are a lot of sisters who are dying. Well, not physically, but just in many ways, they're like, what's wrong with these guys? Because you don't take any initiative. So here's Boaz, for whatever reason, with all the, pres- you know, perspiring and all the stuff going on, he takes notices of, a notice of her, and then he inquires. He's taking some initiative, because he's a man of valor. Mm. I'll just stop there. It wasn't even in my notes. I don't know why I decided to share it. So usually when it's in the my, not in my notes, I shouldn't share too long on it and just look at it as prophetic preaching to you. If God spoke to you, then do something with your life. Anyway, so here we see this. So he asked the person in charge, who is that woman? Oh, she's the Moabot woman who came with Naomi. Oh, And we'll see later as the story progresses. But all these events that we see here seem like small actions, but they're so important to the greater picture of things. Everything from the connection, the contact, the conversation, it reminds us that God is working mysteriously, and we might not fully understand it at the moment. Therefore, we must ask ourselves will I trust God in this moment? With the things that are going in on in my life and it doesn't make sense, and some of you, it might be very painful. Will you trust God because he works in mysterious ways for his will and his purpose to be done in your life and on this earth? And the more I think about this, I realize that it, it, this is the story all throughout the Bible of God being sovereign and being in control, but yet working out things that we don't even see. It seems so mysterious, but that's God in all his wisdom. And that's why, even when you look at the person of Apostle Paul, he was one of the worst enemies of the church, he was killing Christians. But then he ended up coming to know Christ and became one of the greatest evangelists and church planner as we see in scripture. Even with some of the painful limitations in his life, Because there was a thorn in his flesh, and we don't know exactly what it was, but he realized that in this thorn in his flesh, this limitation, this weakness, that God's power may be manifested. A change in paradigm and shift in perspective, realizing God is doing something I cannot fully understand, but he's working in mysterious ways, and I'm going to trust him. He was put in prison, but he realized that it was for the advancement of the gospel so he could share the gospel message to prisoners to the prison guards that he would not have been able to do? Do you believe this, that God is working in mysterious ways? And one of the things I want to share this is this, that you cannot have this kind of perspective unless there's certain things that you believe about God. And we talk about this in our church all the time, the GS, uh, GPS, that you got to believe that God is good. That good means that He is loving towards us. He has demonstrated for us on the cross by giving His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. So just look at that as He died a criminal death. The Son of God who lived a perfect life. That that should have been us dying on that cross because of our sins. But Jesus took our place. That shows you the love of God, the goodness of God. And that's why no matter what you're going through, if you do not believe that He is good, that everything that He does is for our good, then no matter what it is in your life, it's going to be very difficult for you to trust. Very difficult for you to believe. Also, we talk about how God is present, that He's God with us. That he's powerful enough to work in our lives, to remind us that what we need more than anything else is not all the blessings, but we need him. We need his presence. If you believe that, that he hasn't left you, nothing will separate you from God, that he's with us every single time, even in some of those difficult times, he's there. Even when people sinned against you, he was there. Was he not powerful enough to intervene? But once again, for God to be loving, he has to give Choice to people and people because of our fallen nature, we choose to sin. And many of you who have been hurt is because of sin of other people. But how many times? Not only in your life, but in so many stories that you've heard and you've watched and you've seen even with your own eyes where things seem so bad because someone sinned against them. They were sexually molested or maybe they were brutally beaten up or they went through physical abuse, verbal, whatever it is. That somehow in the midst of all that, that God is using it for something that's greater and His presence is with them. That's what gives us peace. So God is good, he's present, and that he's sovereign. That he is the God who is all-powerful. He is the one who's all-wise. That he could take something that doesn't make sense, and in his wisdom and in his sovereignty and in his power, he's able to take that and do something incredible. How about us this morning? Do you believe and fully trust that God is good? that he's present in your life, and that he's sovereign? Are you able to discern and see how God is working mysteriously in your life through all the things that you're facing, even right now? God works mysteriously. The second point as I close here is this. Not only does he work mysteriously, but man, this is God's, he's, he is good at this. He works meticulously. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word meticulous means this, showing great uh, attention to detail or very careful and precise. This is God. He doesn't do things haphazardly. He doesn't do things randomly, but He is so precise. He is so focused on detail that every single part of your life Everything from your mind to your heart to your will. Everything around you. He is paying attention to the details. He is meticulous. When we think about God and all the things that he's doing right now. To help us to accomplish his will. For his will to be accomplished in us. We have to believe that not only does he work mysteriously, but he works meticulously. I love what Philip Yancey said in his article, Chess Master. It's a great article. You can look it up later. But there's, a, there's a, a quote in there that I thought was so interesting. He says this, When a grand master plays a chess amateur, victory is assured, no matter how the board may look at any given moment, in a miracle of grace, Even our personal failures can become tools in God's hands. Like, you and I are amateur chess players. And we're playing against, if you want to look at this illustration, against a master player, this chess, master chess player. You could even make him look over, oh, look over there, and switch some things around. He'll still look at the board and goes, okay. And he'll still kick your behind. That's how good he is. There are some of us, even in this room, when we think about some of the mistakes that we've made, we're like, oh God, we've bl- we blown it. Do you not believe that God, even in your mistakes, can work something out? That's something that's going to teach you, humble you, and to work out something in your life for His glory? That's why, as we've been trying to encourage many of you with this gospel paradigm, is that failure should really be our friend. Some of you have learned ever since you were young when you fail, it's bad. That's why you love control. That's why you don't take risks. That's why you're always contained to what's sure and what's always 100% and you'll never be able to fully trust God. God is 100% but the circumstances may not. And this is the reason why we have to believe that God, in His infinite wisdom, even in our mistakes, even in our wise, in our own human understanding, as we try to move things around, this is what it needs to happen, God's going to show you. No, that's not. So here's God, meticulously, even using failures for greater purposes, even circumstances that are beyond human understanding, He's still uses with great detail. And we're precision. So let's finish off as we read verse 8 through 13. The story, as I mentioned, it gets interesting. And you, once again, it's like, wow, amazing. And you'll see this all throughout chapter 2, chapter 3, and then chapter 4. Listen to what it says. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So what we see here now is that Boaz finally speaks to Ruth and we notice several things that he offers to her. First of all, protection under his care Boaz clearly states that Ruth should stay with his servants and glean with them and not anywhere else also he told people not to touch her or to do anything to her because she was a foreigner now it would have been very easy for some people to take advantage of her in various ways especially the men who might have done things to Ruth to give her a hard time and so once again, this is God's meticulous way of bringing Boaz into Ruth's life so that she can be protected. See, who else could have figured this out? It's just God who knew exactly. Not only do you see this protection under his care, another thing that you'll see, God meticulously watching over and providing for Ruth and Naomi is we see the provisions while she worked. In verse 9, B, nine bravo. We notice that Boaz tells Ruth that if she gets thirsty, that she should drink from the vessels or where the water was drawn. Now, that is going above and beyond what you provide. Even for somebody who's just picking up the edges and gleaning from what fell down to the ground. So what God is doing is that, Ruth, I'm going to even provide for you even things like water. Once again, God knows exactly what we need, precisely. And then third, not only protection under his care, provision while she worked, but we see the pronouncement of God's favor. Boaz ends up pronouncing a blessing on Ruth in the name of God of Israel, Yahweh. He prayed that God will continue to bless what Ruth was doing and that a full reward will be given to her. Boaz even uses this metaphor of God having wings which people could then come under and take refuge. And this is a very important metaphor that we see in throughout different portions of Scripture. Let me just give you a handful to help us to understand why this is important when he's pronouncing this blessing or God's favor upon Ruth. I want you to read the yellow highlighted parts with me. It says this in Psalm 17 verse 8 in the ESV. It says this, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 36 verse 7 in the NIV says this, How priceless is your unfailing love, both high and low among men. Find refuge in the shadow of your wings. So we find the sense of hiding from all the things that are happening to protect us in this way. Also a refuge to be able to go into the shadow of his wings, to shade us. In Psalm 57 verse 1 in the Amplified Version, read the yellow part again. It says this, Be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious and merciful to me for my soul finds shelter and safety in you and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge and be confidently secure until destruction passes by. The sense of security that comes when we hide or when we run to God under the shadow of His wings. And then in Psalm 63 verse 7 and 8 in the ESV, It says this, for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This idea that we can find joy and it will cause us to even sing because we are under the shadow. We are enveloped. In the shadow of his wings. And Psalm 91, verse 4 in the New Living Translation says this He will cover you with his feathers, he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promise are your armor and protection. This idea of sheltering, protecting, especially when we're going through things in our lives, he knows us. And it's not just physical protection. Even he will protect you, even maybe possibly your reputation. Even protecting you from certain harm or certain things that's going on at work that could have been easily blamed on you, but he's going to protect you as you learn to trust in him and believe by faith that he's going to work out all things. That's why I love uh, the, other tra- the Passion Translation. Listen to what he says here, this idea of sheltering under the sh- his wings. It says, his massive arms, everyone go, amen. Now, what sister likes puny arms? Like, hello, and no, no, they, they 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 feel safe, and no guy with big arms are like, hello, we're like, what's up? His massive arms are wrapped around you. Just just imagine that for a moment. Okay, some of you ladies are imagining it too much. Okay, just, just try to imagine for a moment, God's massive arm coming around you. How does that feel, this idea of God surrounding you, protecting you? His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and high. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. We see the response of Ruth as she encountered this kind of love and grace from Boaz. In verse 10, we see the sense of humility. Why why are you showing favor? She bowed down to the ground with her face to the ground. It's a sign of someone humbling themselves. And you will also notice Ruth in her response. She was surprised by this kind of kindness. She was shocked that she actually was able to receive this. And the reason why this is important is because we get a glimpse that Boaz is like a archetype but if you want to look at it as a prophetic person who's supposed to be like jesus and ruth in many ways this is our story that we were desolate we were bankrupt we were poor foreigners did not know god but then when he showed us his favor and his mercy when we didn't deserve it that our response should be just like ruth's response Or she goes, I don't deserve this favor. Why why do you look favorably towards me, Lord? I'm wondering how many of us, is the gospel paradigm something that you're growing in and you're allowing God to guide you in? How about us this morning? Are we humble and grateful for God's work in your life? Are you aware of God's meticulous ways and things that he's doing right now precisely carefully paying attention to detail because he knows what exactly what you need not what you want but what you need so therefore will you trust in him so the one thing once again is that when you believe in God's providence that in his power and his sovereignty he is working in us, in his providence, if you believe this, then there you cannot see things as a coincidence. It's God working mysteriously and meticulously in your life. I want to propose a couple things for us to think about, and this will help you to live out his word. The first thing is this. Allow God to work in your life. It doesn't mean that he's not going to do it if you don't give him permission, but there's something about allowing him to say, God, I surrender. There's something about praying and then saying, God, here's my life. You do whatever you need to do. This is part of trust. To give him permission to be able to say, God, like I am not God, you are. Allow God to work in your life. Number two, ask God for his favor. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking God for his favor. That's an understanding that there's nothing you could do on your own, but it's all God. So pray for a job. Pray for a relationship, if you're a future spouse, marriage. Pray for other things. There's nothing wrong to pray for, but once again, as you're surrendered, then you're saying, God, in your timing, in your impeccable timing, in your mysterious ways, and in your meticulous ways, accomplish that. So pray in faith. And lastly, assess your theology by assessing your language. Next time, just be careful what you say, understand what you're saying. And please, this is where we get the the language cop, the language po-po. Some of you, some of you would be like, oh, good luck, there is no luck. Like, who wants to hear that? Like, we don't need that from you, you self-righteous person. You better go back to the gospel paradigm. Like, you know what I'm talking about, those those language po-po's. They're always policing, like oh, what? You 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 need to repent. We don't we don't want that. Usually, when someone says to me, "Oh, good luck, Pastor," <laughs> go repent, right? Come come down right here. No. A lot of times, you know, even in group chats, they go, "Good luck, good luck,", good luck. and then Pastor Seth responds, and I say, "Do well. We are praying for you." then all the good lucks go away. And then we're just like, okay, do well, do well, do well. That's all you have to do. Set the trend. And then people will get it. Oh, yeah, he preached on that. No good luck. It's not by chance. Oh, man, it was a coincidence. Wow, praise God. He opened that door for you. God is working in your life. Yeah, 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 pastor. Yeah, he's working in my life. Some of you, your language is, oh, I suck. I can't do this. Yeah. Don't stop there because that's half of the theology. You and I, we both, we suck big time. But there's a little phrase that we say, but what? But God. I suck. I keep on messing up, but God. And therefore. So watch your language because that will really determine your theology or how you believe in things. And so speak truth lovingly. There's a powerful story of Inky Johnson. Those of you probably never heard of him because um, he was supposed to go to the NFL, the National Football League. He was one of the top 30 uh, draft picks, future draft pick, but something happened. And through this, he had to process. What is God doing? What is he trying to teach me? And now he's a motivational speaker as he shares all around the world about the hope that he has and the purpose of why he lives. Even though this is something he needed to do and wanted to do, but God turned it around and now he's using it for something good in his mysterious ways, in his meticulous ways. That's why there is no chance. There is no coincidence when we trust and believe in His providence. So let's watch this video and then we'll come back together and just close out. Wow. I'm ready to conquer the world, Amen. Let's, let's stand together as we close. I just pray that we can get a little bit of His fire and after I watched this I was kind of looking him up and I realized he's a believer uh, in Christ and that's how it helped him to even have this kind of mindset and I'm not expecting some of you to be exactly like that but I will say this if you really understand who God is and you start facing difficult things in your life you will start seeing things with a whole new lens with a whole new pair of perspective in your eyes and in your heart and it starts with the gospel as we said many times before the more you understand the gospel and the more you understand what Jesus Christ went through as he died on the cross, took our place and then he rose again from the dead and he offers us forgiveness and his grace and his mercy then everything we do now is fully just trusting and believing. That if God did that for us, why would He not do all things? Not what we want or how we want it, but He will do things to accomplish His goal and His purpose in us. Some of you are still fighting God. Some of us are still trying to take control. And all I can say is, I think some of you have to come to a point where you have to be completely exhausted emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. In some ways, you just say, God, I cannot do it anymore. And we've said this many times, unless the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of change, you will not change. Some of you who are not changing, it's because the pain of just being who you are right now and not taking steps forward, it's not painful enough. Some of us, we just need a little bit and we turn. Some of us in our stubbornness, and our hurt, our pride, insecurity, we hold on to it so tightly. And all I can say is God knows exactly what you need. And that's why he's doing things mysteriously and meticulously in your life. And I just pray when you get to that point, that you'll be able to respond in humility. Say, God, I'm going to trust in you. Not in myself. I need you. I'm just going to ask us right now, if we could just bow our heads for a moment here. With every head bowed and just every eyes closed, I want to invite some of us to just be honest, vulnerable, And I'm just wondering if there's anyone here who's just going through a situation where you just know deep in your heart like it is hard to trust God for this. It is really hard to believe that God is good and He's present in my life and He's sovereign. If He's really in control then why are all these things happening? Why is it that I've been praying about this and still no change? My circumstances and now you're starting to doubt. You're starting to waver. Lies are coming in. It shows by the things that you talk about, the things that you say in your language. I can't. Yeah, you're halfway there. You can't. But God can. And you've been putting your hope and trust in yourself and the circumstances that you're hoping that it will change. But that's not happening. And if that's you, I just feel like today, I I want us to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. But I'm telling you, until we get to that point where, God, this is beyond me. I need you. You need to work. If that's you with, being a man or woman of valor to be able to step forward in faith proactively to say God I'm surrendering I'm relinquishing control and I'm going to trust and believe that everything that happens is not a coincidence but it is by your providence that's why I need this prayer I need prayers for my brothers and sisters in Christ if that's you right now I'm going to encourage us as I count to three I want you to just slip up your hands and when you do The rest of us, if you could just find at least one person that's lifting up their hands, and we're not going to touch you or anything like that. Just stretch your hands towards them, and we just want to pray for you. And with raising your hand, you're saying, God, here am I. This is my heart. This is my life, and I need you. We don't know what you're you're going through. You don't have to share it, but we're just going to love on you and pray for you. I feel like this is a great way for us to allow God to work in our lives and who knows perhaps even starting tonight or even tomorrow we'll see some mysterious things happening because it's the power of God so if that's you I want you to lift up your hands on the count of three let's be bold and say God I I need you I need prayer and the rest of us could just surround that person and stretch our hands towards them let's just lift them up in prayer so on the count of three right now one, two, three come on, just put your hands up there's hands going up just keep it up it's okay rest of us, if you see a hand near you you can go up and if you know them well maybe you could go near them hold their hands or put your hand on their shoulder rest of us, will you just stretch your hand towards them right now, just for a couple minutes let's just pray for them God, show yourself to be strong show yourself, Lord, to be a mighty God Intervene in their lives. Let's just begin to pray for them right now. Come on, let's lift our voices and pray for these things. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.